Come on, you already know what I'm gonna say before I say it. If you believe God is good, someone shout, God is good. good. Amen. Man, it is good to be in the house of God, surrounded with the people of God. Come on, worshiping a nothing but good God who only gives good and perfect gifts to his children. Amen. Amen. You guys ready for a word today? I hope you're ready. Ready or not, because here I come. Uh, The Lord's given us a word. And I believe it's going to challenge us. I know it challenged me, and it, it actually changed me from the way I view things with the Lord and the seasons in my life. But So look, we've been in a, a series titled Faith. Someone shout faith. <clears throat> yeah. And what, what we've got to realize and understand about faith is this, that it isn't an easy topic. Um, it isn't always a fun process. It isn't always a simple topic to understand, right? Like faith is quite the opposite of that. Faith can be really hard. Faith can be a grueling process and faith can be a very difficult topic to understand. And the reason faith can be so hard at times is because everything in this life is driven by what we can understand and faith is not. Faith isn't. See, faith is hard because everything within us wants to understand everything around us, but that's not faith. And so, and so faith can, can prove to be, be hard. And, and look, the reason faith can be a grueling process, the reason it can be grueling on us is very simple because we want everything right now. Like I like to say it like this, we are a fast food society living in a microwave community, right? Like we want everything right this moment and we want it the way we want it. We like Burger King, have it your way type of a mentality and life. But guess what? Most of the time, faith requires us to wait. I mean, think about it just for a moment, right? Think about it from this perspective. If we've put our faith in Jesus, we're waiting on Jesus. We're waiting for him to return to the earth. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. (laughs) Come and take over your millennium reign, right? Like like we're waiting for him to come. We're waiting for him to take us to heaven. We're waiting for him to give us our eternal inheritance. And that's faith. Faith requires us to wait. Let me ask you a question because I'm going to need some crowd participation. You guys ready? I need some crowd participation. By the show of hands, how many of you right now are praying and believing God for something in your life? Like you're praying and you're believing, keep them up, keep them up, that you're believing God, whether that's an unsaved loved one, you're praying and believing God will save them. Whether it's a financial issue you're dealing with, you're praying and you're believing God to, to deliver you from that and provide for you. Yeah, now, how many of you are still waiting for that? Exactly. My point, exactly. Because faith requires waiting, church. It requires us, us to wait. And, and while we're waiting, we are told to continue believing, continue praying, but yet we don't know God's timing. And that's faith. It's faith. So here we are. We're We're waiting, we're believing, we're praying, but because we don't know God's timing, faith proves to be grueling at times. 
See, God doesn't have us learning about faith because it's easy. God isn't wanting us trained in faith because it's simple to understand. Because the truth is faith is difficult to understand because it's the opposite of understanding. Let me, let me say it to you this way. Our faith begins where our understanding ends. That's faith. That's faith. So if we desire to operate in faith, we cannot operate in understanding. We cannot. The moment we can understand something, we no longer need faith. Like the moment we know how and understand how we're going to pay that doctor's bill, the moment we understand and we know how we're going to afford that car that we, that we need, the moment we understand how we're going to make it through a situation that we're going through in our life, we no longer need faith because we've got understanding. Why do I need faith? I know how I'm going to make it through it. I, I understand perfectly well what I need to do in order to get to where I want to go. So I no longer need, need faith. Faith begins where our understanding ends. And the moment that we don't understand, but we have a word from God, because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And we'll get into that more in this, this series, because without a word of God, you're just, you're, you're just walking in hope or even a wishful thought. But, but whatever, not the hope. Hope is great, because faith is the evidence of things hoped for. You can't have faith without hope. But faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So the moment we can't understand it, but man, we got a word from God. Now faith kicks in and our faith takes over. See, we need to be a people who understand. We will not always understand. Everything that God can do and all that he says he will do. We won't always understand how that's going to come to pass. And this is the reason faith proves to be difficult to understand. See, God is wanting us trained in faith because without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's why he wants us trained in faith. See, God has us on this faith journey, not because it's easy, but because it's necessary. Come on, look at your neighbor, say it's necessary. Tell them, say it's necessary. Faith is not easy, but it is necessary because without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, see, faith is the foundation. It's not a foundation. It is the foundation of our walk with Christ. Faith is. So we gotta have faith. Tell your neighbor, you gotta have faith, tell them. You know, John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus makes this statement. He says, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Ain't that good? I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Telling us this, that our life with Jesus should be an abundant life. But what I found to be so true is that Sometimes that John 10, 10 abundant Christian life just doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. It just doesn't make sense. It's the kind of life that you actually can't explain it. You can't explain it. It's the kind of life that says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I heard the doctor's report 
but I don't receive the doctor's report. That's that, that kind of life. It's the kind of life that says, yeah, yeah. I heard the doctor say, I'll always struggle with this disease. I'll always deal with this sickness. I heard what he said, but for some reason, deep down within me, I know and believe that I will receive healing. I know and believe I won't deal with this the rest of my life. I know it. I may not be able to explain it to you exactly how this is all going to unfold. But man, I know with a certainty, I'm not always going to struggle with this disease. Because of Christ in me, the hope of glory, I have life and I have it more abundantly. That's the kind of of life this John 10, 10 abundant life is. This life of faith, this This life, man, if we desire to live this type of life, man, we've got to be trained in faith. If we desire to live the kind of life that says, yeah, I can can feel depression trying to creep on me. And I can hear that worthless devil, that lying enemy, lying to me and trying to hold me. But man, I can't explain it. But I've I've got joy in the midst of my sorrow. Man, I've got peace in the midst of my storm. Even though all these things are happening around me and to me, I know with a certainty that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. So I know I'm gonna make it through it. I can't explain it. I don't actually understand it. I can't see even how I'm gonna make it through it, but I know with a certainty I am because if God be for me, there's nothing and no one that can stand against me. And I know I'll actually be better for it because I believe and know that God has taken everything that worthless devil means for my harm and he's gonna use it for my good. That's what I know. See, that's, that's the, the life of faith. That's that John 10, 10 abundant Christian life. Not everything is going smooth and easy. That's not it. I'm sorry if that's what you want. It's just, it's not it but it's knowing even though in the midst of the storm, I'm gonna make it through it. And I can worship God because of it. That's the abundant Christian life Jesus is talking about. And if we desire to have that kind of life, live that kind of life, church, we've gotta be trained in faith. We have to be. And see, we have to be trained in faith in order to bear the fruit of faith. We have to be trained in faith in order to bear the fruit of faith. And that's the title of today's message. Bear the fruit of faith. Come on, look at your neighbor. Tell him, say, bear the fruit of faith. Yeah. Now, look, I thought about titling this message, A Fig Tree Faith. (laughs) I did. I actually really like it. But actually, I really don't care what you name it. I don't care how you write it down on your paper. I don't really care as long as you remember it you receive it, then obey it. Because this word right here will change your life if you allow it to. It'll change all of our lives. Bear the fruit of faith. And we're gonna look at Mark chapter 11 once again. We were just in this last week, but we're gonna look at faith again through the eyes and the words of faith. Because remember, we've already established in this series that our faith is a who and it's not a what. The who being Jesus, because the Bible says he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And so we're gonna learn from faith, about faith, as he begins to train his disciples in faith. It's a lot of faith in that one sentence there. 
Now, to provide for you just a little bit of, of context of what's happening in this Mark chapter 11 passage is, it is actually, it's the story of the triumphal entry. It's what we celebrate as Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday prior to Easter Sunday. This is Mark chapter 11, right at the beginning. And, and it's where Jesus comes riding into the city of David, into the city of Jerusalem, into the city of God. The Bible calls it three different things, city of David, city of God, and the city of Jerusalem, right? Jesus comes riding into that city. He's seated on the colt of a donkey. And it's actually quite the scene. It's a spectacle, to be honest with you. The people are running and they're dancing and they're shouting and they're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, man, they really get into it. They begin to take their coats off and throw them on the ground. When they run out of coats to throw on the ground, they go over to palm trees and start ripping palm branches, why we call it Palm Sunday. They start ripping palm branches off of trees and throwing them on the ground. So that not even the hoof of the, of the donkey that Jesus was seated on would touch the ground, that it would stay on something other than dirt. And what they were doing was declaring him king. That's what they were doing. This was a sign of paying homage to the king, paying tribute to the king. And this is what they're, they're declaring. And they did all this to fulfill the prophecy in the book of Zechariah. And it's quite the, the spectacle that happens that they're declaring him king. But guess what? We're waiting for him to come and do that on the earth, make his kingdom on the earth. He's king whether he's here or not. But our faith says one day he's coming back to set his throne up right here on the earth. And they were declaring this over 2,000 years ago. The king is here. Hosanna. Hosanna. So it's this Incredible scene that takes place at the beginning of Mark chapter 11. And we're gonna, we're gonna pick up the text right after that. In Mark 11, verse 12. And this is what it says. It says, on the next day as they were leaving Bethany, on the next day after Palm Sunday of the triumphal entry, on the next day, Jesus and his disciples, they are leaving Bethany. And it says that Jesus was hungry. Come on, tell your neighbor, I'm hungry. I like that. I'm hungry. I really am hungry, actually. We've been fasting. Anyway, so I'm starving. But he says, I'm hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves on it because it was not the season for figs. Now, now pay attention to that because we're going to, we're coming back to this a lot today. This is where it's all centered around. When he went over to it to get something to eat from it, he found that there was no figs on it because it wasn't the season even for figs. Then he said to the tree anyway, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say this. Jump to verse 20. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered up from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered and died. Verse 22, have faith in God, Jesus answered. 
Truly, I tell you, we went through this last week. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, you can pray for anything. Someone shout anything. He says, if you have faith just the size of a mustard seed, just a little bit of faith and you don't doubt in your heart, you can pray for anything, hasos. Anything, as much as you want, as little as you want, as far as you wanna go, it's up to you if you've got the faith to believe it. Therefore, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you pray that you have received it, if you pray and believe that you have received it, it will be yours. If you pray and you believe you have received it, it will be yours. So here Jesus is, right? And he's hungry. Someone say, I'm hungry. I love it. I'm hungry. Can I, can I just tell you, actually, I really like that because this is what it tells me. It says I'm okay because I'm always hungry, right? Let me tell you what else it tells us. Those of us who like to eat, okay, we're closer to Jesus than those who like to diet. I'm just saying, be encouraged by that. Jesus told me to bless you with that today, right? My son says to me, dad, why don't you have a six pack? I'm like, well, I'm 42, one, but two, I'm hungry because Jesus was hungry. So I'm like Jesus, son. That's what this says to you, okay? If I had a six pack, it wouldn't tell us that. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. And after Jesus says he's hungry, he walks over to this, to this fig tree, right? To get a little snack. When he gets to the fig tree, he sees that there's no figs on the fig tree. And the scripture, again, the scripture says the reason there were no figs on the fig tree was because it wasn't the season for figs. But Jesus sees there's no figs on it, knows it's not the season for figs, but says to it anyway, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Now listen, it's not as if Jesus doesn't know it's not the season for figs. In him, by him, for him, and through him, everything was created. There was nothing created that has been created outside of him. He set the time frame himself. Jesus is the one that set it. He knew that it wasn't seasoned for figs, but yet he says to the fig tree anyway, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And I'm sure you're thinking a lot, like the disciples are thinking here, like, like dang, Jesus, like, really? Did you have to do the fig tree like that? You knew, you knew it didn't have figs and you still cursed it anyway. Nonetheless, Jesus says what he says. And, 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 you know, he he says it and he just keeps on walking, barely breaking stride. Like you're done and just keeps on walking. Okay, That's, that's literally the picture of it. He doesn't even stop. Oh, you got no figs? Die. And just keeps on trucking. It's actually wild. It's pretty gangster actually. Like, dag, Jesus, rolling hard. And then it says that he goes on into Jerusalem. And we skipped over, actually, for the sake of time, we didn't read. But I'll paraphrase really quickly what happened in verses 15 through 19. Jesus heads into the city of Jerusalem after speaking to the fig tree. And he goes straight to the temple of God. And when he gets there, he finds the people buying, selling, and trading in the house of God. In other words, he finds the people and they're not being trained in faith. They're not putting their faith in God and they're not pursuing God. Instead, they're putting their faith in the world and they're pursuing the world. 
They're bearing the fruit of the world and not bearing the fruit of faith. And so Jesus becomes indignant with them. And he begins to drive all these people out of the temple, out of the house of God. And what we have to to realize here is this, Jesus isn't just doing it to the people, Jesus is doing it for the people. This is what he's doing. See, he was testing all the things that they were putting their faith in. He was taking and shaking all those things that, that weren't worthy of their faith. What he was doing was trying to make room in their life to bear the fruit of faith because you can't bear the fruit of faith and bear the fruit of the world. You can only bear one or the other. Either we bear fruit for God or we don't. And this is what Jesus sees. And so he runs the people out. And he, and he says this, he says, is it not written that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? How good is that? For all nations. But you have turned it into a den of robbers. See, what Jesus was simply saying is this, in the house of God, the people of God should be bearing fruit for God. That's as simple as I can make it. He's saying in the house of God, the people of God should be bearing the fruit of faith, period. And there's no room for nothing else. That's literally what he says. There's no room. You know, I I gotta be honest, man. I pray this for this church all the time. Lord, help us to bear fruit for you. Help us to bear the fruit of faith. I pray all the time that God would loose the gift of faith. I did it again today, corporately. Loose the gift of faith, but bind the fruit of fear. I pray that that God will renew a right spirit in us and bind away from us the fruit of the world. Just like these people were operating in the fruit of the world. I pray God calls us to always make this a house of prayer and worship and not a house of entertainment. Because entertainment don't move the father at all. It distracts you. It will take your attention away from him. It will cause you not to bear fruit for him. This is why we need to be a house of prayer and a house of worship. So we're bearing fruit for God. And that's my prayer for the church. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's reestablishing what the house of God should be. And after he corrects the people of God, right? He leaves the city of Jerusalem, which is then in verse 20. And they come across that same fig tree that Jesus spoke to. And guess what? It was dead. It had withered up from the root. No one will ever eat fruit from you again. And it died. Peter, remembering, I love Peter. He remembers what Jesus says. Won't let Jesus forget much. And actually adds a lot too <laughs> that Jesus doesn't say, but whatever. But he's like, yo, Jesus, look at the fig tree. Look what you did to it just by speaking to it. And in verse 22, Jesus' answer, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Now, maybe some of you, when you first hear this response, Jesus' response, you're like, hmm? Like, what did he just say? Like, like what did he just say? Because at first glance, it sounds like a, a really weird response, actually, to what Peter says. Because remember, Peter's like, hey, you killed the fig tree, dude. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And then he goes on to say, and you can ask for anything. You can pray for anything. You can pray 
that the fig tree dies and it'll die. Matter of fact, there's the fig tree that you can tell that mountain to be cast into the sea and it has to obey you. He says, if you have faith in God, there'll be nothing impossible for the God that you serve. Nothing impossible. You can ask for anything, even for the fig tree to never bear fruit again. And God will do it for you. It's actually amazing. It's wild. And here's the thing. There's some historians that, that they try, Bible historians, that try to explain this portion of scripture intellectually. They do. They have, they have tried to understand what Jesus is doing here in their minds, but never ask God to reveal it to their hearts. And because of this, they've misunderstood it. Like a lot of people misunderstand scripture because they haven't asked God, God, reveal it to my heart by your spirit, not by my, my limited view and my limited understanding, but a lot of people. And so they misunderstand it. Let me, let me say it to you this way. Because they're trying to just get information from the word and they haven't had a revelation of the word, they misunderstand the word. They wrongly interpret the word of God. And so because of that, many of them historians say this. They say, well, Jesus was in his humanity. This is why he was hungry. This is why he became angry. And this is why he cursed the fig tree, because he was hangry, right? Like, like he should have grabbed a Snickers. I don't know. Like you know I mean? stopped at the bodega on the way out of the city. But, but here's the thing, man. If you've, if you've had a revelation of the word of God, if you've had a revelation of the word of God, and, 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 and listen, remember, remember, the name by which Jesus is called is the word of God. He's the word of God became flesh and dwelt among men. And we have beheld his glory, the glory of the only son of God. And if you've had a revelation of who Jesus is, you would know there is something so much greater at work here than what meets the eye. And what our limited brains can handle and understand because the depths of his understanding, no man can fathom. This is why we need the Holy Spirit to kick in and begin to reveal scripture to us. But because many people try to understand Jesus intellectually in their minds, they're missing the faith training that Jesus is explaining right here in the text. See, Jesus is training his disciples in faith. That's, that's what he's doing. Which means that he's trying to show us what he expects from us with this illustration using this fig tree. And, and you know what Jesus is, is saying here? And I've never heard this preach this. God revealed it to me when I was studying for last week's message. The Lord's like, boom. My wife made me take it out of last week's message because I was gonna have you here an hour and a half, if not. It was long, but it's good. But all Jesus is simply saying here is this, you better bear the fruit of faith. That's what he's saying. What he's saying is, is that God requires you to bear the fruit of faith in season and out of season. Because if you don't, if you don't, you will miss out on the blessings of God. You will miss out on the promises of God. You will miss out on the abundance of God. You will miss out on the power that God wants to display in your life and through your life. In 2 Timothy chapter four, verse two, this is what it says. It says, 
preach the word of God. Now hear me, you've gotta know the word of God. You've had to have a revelation of the word of God in order to preach the word of God. If you haven't had a revelation of the word of God, you really shouldn't be preaching the word of God. That's why I say about a lot of preachers, actually. They probably shouldn't be preaching. They have had no revelation. But this is what it says. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says, preach the word of God and be ready, what? In season and out of season. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six says it this way. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And you've got to understand, and I've said this multiple times from up here, scripture reaffirms other scripture. It confirms other scripture. Do you know why? To give us a fuller picture of what God expects from us. That's the point of it trying to steer us to Jesus, trying to make us look more like Jesus. That's the whole point. Bring us into a better relationship with Jesus. And so scripture reaffirms other scripture. And so when you take all these scriptures and you you put them together, it's saying preach the word of God because you know the word of God so that your faith in God will be ready in season and out of season. Because without bearing the fruit of faith in every season of your life, it's impossible to please God. That's literally what Jesus is saying. When he curses the fig tree, he didn't curse it just because he was angry because he was hungry. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. He cursed the fig tree to explain to us what God expects from us. He was simply saying, you better bear the fruit of faith in season and out of season. You, you better be displaying the fruit of faith in season and out of season. Your fruit of faith should be on display no matter what season of life you're in. If it's a good season, bear the fruit of faith. If it's a bad season, bear the fruit of faith. If you're happy or if you're sad, if you're high or if you're low, if you're up or if you're down, if you're, if you're healthy or if you're sick, if you're single or if you're married, if you've got kids or if you don't have kids, if you're wealthy or if you're poor, bear the fruit of faith. That's what he's saying. What Jesus is simply saying by cursing the fig tree. Now remember, it wasn't the season for figs. It wasn't supposed to have figs on it, but he cursed it anyway. Because what he's trying to explain to us is, is that God is pleased with us when we are operating in faith in season and out of season. He's saying God is pleased with you when you operate in faith in every single season of your life. That's what he's saying. He isn't saying, well, it wasn't him just being in his humanity, angry because he's hungry. No, no, no. That's just foolishness. That's the kind of understanding that comes from just reading information instead of having a revelation from the Holy Spirit. Jesus saying, have faith in God. Have faith greater than a fig tree faith. Tell your neighbor, have faith greater than a fig tree faith. Have faith greater than a fig tree faith. But do you know what else Jesus is, is saying here through this fig tree illustration? He's saying this, you have no excuses to not have faith in God. That's literally what he's saying. 
You have zero excuses. God has removed every excuse from our lives by sending us Jesus to live in us and move through us. He's removed every excuse from you and from me. Every excuse. He's literally saying, I didn't even give the fig tree the excuse that it wasn't the season to bear figs, even though I'm the one that put the season on it. I still didn't let it get a pass. It couldn't even use that excuse with me to not bear fruit. Which it got me, got me thinking, right? Got me thinking, I wonder how many times in our life have we displayed a fig tree faith? How many times have we displayed a fig tree faith? I wonder how many times, how, how many of us have, have used this same fig tree excuse? Like, well, God, it's, it's just not my season to bear that fruit. Just give me a little bit more time because after all, right, I just, we just came out of a pandemic. I lost my job and the new job that I got doesn't pay as well. And so it's really, I, I, can't, I can't give in this season. I can't bear the fruit in this season. But when you give me a better job, God, then I'll give. Then I'll bear that fruit. Just give me a little more time. Give me till next month and then I'll bear fruit, God. Just a little more time. But see, Jesus says in Mark chapter 11, you don't have an excuse to not bear fruit. You don't have an excuse not to bear the fruit of faith. Just simply you don't, you don't choose to. That's literally what he's saying by cursing the fig tree when it's not even the season for figs, telling us we better bear fruit in season and out of season. And I tell you, I heard God speak so clearly to me. He said, and tell them that their past faithfulness doesn't exempt them from present faithfulness. Oh, boy, that'll rock us. Like the fruit that we've displayed in our past doesn't excuse us from displaying fruit in our current season. It does not exempt us. As if God's okay with that and it kind of carries us over to another. No, no, no. He says in season and out of season. See, either we have faith that God is our provider or we don't. Like there's no in between. You can't bear the fruit of the world and bear the fruit of faith. You can't bear both. Either we have faith that God is our healer or we don't. Either we believe that God is working all things together for our good, or we don't. Or we don't. We either bear the fruit of faith, or we bear the fruit of the world. And that's what Jesus is saying here with this illustration using the fig tree. He's saying there is no excuse sufficient for the all-sufficient one. No excuse. So no matter how we try to justify not bearing the fruit of faith, no matter how we try to justify not bearing the fruit of giving and being generous, because it's just not my season to be able to do that. No, no matter how, how hard we try to justify not bearing the fruit of reading the word of God and praying to God, because it's my busy season, God. If I get through this season, then I'll give you this fruit. No matter how we try to justify not bearing the fruit of faith, Jesus said it's not good enough. You have no excuse. So bear the fruit of faith in season and out of season. 
bear fruit of faith in every season because without faith, church, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You cannot please him. He is not pleased when we come in here, our lives are not displaying the fruit of faith, but we come in here and lift our hands on Sunday morning. That does not please him. He's not impressed by it and he's not overwhelmed by it. He's not swayed by it either. This is why he spoke to a fig tree. Never, no one will ever eat fruit from you again because he expects us to bear the fruit of faith in every single season. So the question that we have to answer today is are we bearing the fruit of faith in this season of our life? Or do we have a fig tree faith? It's a real question. Or do we have a fig tree faith? Meaning, is our faith in God seasonal? That's what he's saying. Don't make your faith in God seasonal. Like when everything in my life is going great, now I got great faith. When I can understand, like I can display great faith when I can understand everything that's happening in my life. I can display great faith when I'm the one controlling and moving the pieces on the board and I got a plan A, B, C, and D. I can, I can display great faith during those times. But what happens when, when things get tough and, and life begins to press in and things are really tight with finances and, 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 and things just don't make sense? Like, how am I gonna, how am I gonna, do, how am I gonna do that? Then do we display and bear the fruit of faith? Or do we have a seasonal faith? Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven and verse 16, he says, you'll know a tree by its fruit. So he said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. For grapes do not grow from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles. So every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. It will wither up from the roots and die. So you'll know a tree by its fruit. You'll know what somebody is producing out of their, their life. You'll know, if, you'll know if it's faith or if it's fear. You'll know if it's faith or if it's a, worldly fruit. Listen, without faith, church, it's impossible to please God. No matter what is happening in our life, no matter what season of life we find ourselves in, there is no excuse not to bear the fruit of faith. That's what he's saying. Are you bearing the fruit of faith today in your life? When people see you at work, they see you bearing the fruit of faith. When people see you at a sporting event, come on, somebody, yelling at the ref. I'm not talking about myself or anything. Um, not at all. When people see you interacting with your kids at home, do your kids at home, your spouse at home, do they, do they see you bearing the fruit of faith? Or is, or is it a seasonal faith? Like, I'll be good to them on Sunday. But what, what, about, what about Monday? Because Sunday, we got a really good, we can put on a Jesus face. And I've done it plenty of times in my life, I promise you. Put a Jesus face on and come in with all smiles, hugs and kisses and waves. And, 
But what are we doing on Monday in the office? What are we doing Tuesday at lunch? What are are we doing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night with the boys watching the game, Saturday night with the boys? Are we bearing the fruit of faith then or is it seasonal to Sunday? You know, something I find amazing in this Mark 11 chapter where Jesus kicks out all the people out of the temple of God. What I find amazing is this, that later on in scripture, again, scripture reaffirms and confirms. It gives us a better picture. Later on in scripture, the Bible says, don't you know that you're the temple of God? You are. So no longer is the temple of God a place. The temple of God is us. We're moving, walking, breathing temples. And what he's saying is, is he's saying this through this illustration. He's saying, look, look, if you're not living every day of your life bearing the fruit of faith, then you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. That's what you've done. If people see you operating in your business and you're operating like everyone else does in your business, then you're not bearing the fruit of faith and you're defiling the temple of God and you've made it into a den of robbers. It's a, it's a challenging, it's a challenging word. I know it challenged me really hard last week. Are we bearing the fruit of faith in every season? Or do we got a fig tree faith? Or it's seasonal, it depends on what's going on in our life. But, but let, me, let, me, let me encourage you with this. The Bible says, keep with the spirit of repentance so that you'll bear the fruit of repentance. And what that is saying is this, if we find ourselves where we're not bearing the fruit of faith in our life, then we need to keep with the spirit of repentance and bear the fruit of repentance. Because when we repent, the Bible says that God is faithful and just to forgive us, cleansing us from all unrighteousness, taking that sin and tossing it as far as as from the east is from the west, to throw it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be brought up before us again. The Bible says a righteous person falls seven times, but every time they get right back up. And so when we find ourselves in seasons where we're not bearing the fruit of faith, then we come and we bear the fruit of repentance. Father, forgive me. Holy Spirit, strengthen me. And man, I spent most of the week getting before the Lord. Lord, forgive me for not constantly in season and out of season bearing the fruit of faith. And the beautiful truth is that God will come and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will quicken even our mortal bodies to live for him. And so this morning, man, we're gonna open up the altars for a little bit here because I believe God wants to minister to our hearts today. And man, if we need to get up here to repent, get up here and repent. And to be honest with you, probably all of us need to because the Bible says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, every one of us. Every single one of us, he makes it personal. We've all fallen short. But to bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me because I wanna bear the fruit of faith in my life in every season, Jesus, because you're worthy of it. I don't wanna use excuses any longer, God. I wanna fully give my life to you so that I can bear the fruit you desire me to bear so I can live the way you require me to live. So stand to your feet, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed. 
Yeah, Father. Yeah, Father. Lord, you see each and every one of us right here, God. You see the posture of our hearts. And I pray right now, Lord, that we would come in humility, repenting before you of the things we need to repent of. To say, forgive me, Father, for not bearing the fruit you desire me to bear and help me bear the fruit you desire me to bear. I pray you would draw people right now, Holy Spirit. Draw them. And I pray, God, as they bring stuff to you, that, God, you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would quicken them to live fully for you, God. Let us not leave this place the same way that we came in today. I pray that we would leave completely changed by the power of God. Lord, I pray you'd meet them as they come. Meet them, Jesus, right here in this place. In Jesus' mighty name.